0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a privilege and a joy to welcome you to today's worship of the Village Church, and I extend a special welcome to those of you who may be worshiping with us in this way for the very first time, as well as to those who gather now in a worldwide community as we continue to worship and celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you that for special prayer concerns, you may write to us at prayers at villagechurch.org. To communicate in other ways, please send an email to me at jackbaca at villagechurch.org. To continue your financial support for the church, either send us checks via mail through box 704 in Rancho Santa Fe, or you may go online at villagechurch.org and give in that way. We are receiving a special offering beginning just this past Friday and continuing through June 15th, a special offering uh, to give to local and international mission agencies that are partners with us. We know that there are many needs here and around the world for food, for clothing, for medicine, for support for rent payments and all of the different expenses of life, as well as particular support for those who are suffering from the disease itself in this COVID pandemic. And so our session has committed $35,000 of special funds as a one-for-one matching opportunity. We encourage you to give. Every dollar you give will be matched by a dollar that we are giving through these special funds, and they will go immediately and directly to our local and international mission partners. For more detail about that, please see the emails that we will be sending you about this special COVID relief offering. We have a special rose arrangement in worship with us this morning with a white rose in the center to celebrate the birth on May 9th of Georgia James Jones to Matt and Bryn Jones. Georgia James' grandparents uh, are Steve and Jennifer Dunn. And so we're celebrating Georgia James' birth into the world today. Now, friends, let me encourage you to pay attention for this special message from one of our mission partners here in this area from Young Life.
1: We asked students involved this question, how has Young Life or Wildlife impacted your life? Their responses were great. We wanted to give you the
2: opportunity to hear from them firsthand, as well as show you some of the creative ways that we are entering into kids' lives during this crazy time.
1: Hi, I'm Micah and I'm a sophomore from Torrey Pines High School. Young Life has impacted me because it's provided an outlet where I can be myself and meet really cool people. What I love most about Young Life though is that they meet where you're at, whether it's lunch clubs or Monday night campaigners. It's just really nice to hang out with some fun, uplifting, and supportive leaders. Hello, I am Miley. I am a eighth grader at Earl Warren Middle School. Um, Young Life has impacted my life by showing me that being different is okay and that you're allowed to be yourself and um, just be who you are.
3: Hi, I'm Joe and I'm a sophomore at Torrey Pines High School. Young Life has positively impacted my life by giving me friends when I first moved here to California from Virginia and it just like it really helped out with the transition from there to here.
1: Hi, my name is Vicky, and I'm an eighth grader at Pacific Trails Middle School. Wildlife has impacted my life positively by giving me a place where I feel safe and where I can have fun with my friends. Hi, my name is Angie and I'm an eighth grader at CDMS. And wildlife has
4: impacted my life because it's a safe place where I can make new friends and meet new people. Hi, my name is Ian. I'm a seventh grader at Valley Middle School. And I would say that wildlife has impacted me by giving me a chance to be my true self around a lot of my friends.
1: Hi, my name is Maddie. I am in eighth grade, I go to Earl Warren Middle School, and wildlife has impacted my life by giving me a place to go that I feel welcomed at. Hi, I'm Mira, and I'm a seventh grader at Carmel Valley Middle School. One way wildlife has impacted my life is letting me make more friends and getting socially plugged in. Hi, my name is Audra and I'm a senior
4: at CCA, and Young Life has impacted my life in a way where I've met a lot of amazing people and have strengthened my relationship
2: with God. Hi, I'm Eli. I'm a senior from CCA, and Young Life has given me the opportunity to have a safe and social environment.
0: And now let us be called to worship in these words from the third psalm. O Lord, how many are my foes! Many are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there is no help for you in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I am not afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. Friends, let us worship the living God.
4: coastline in Southern California. Even at night we go out to see the bioluminescent waves as they just light up with colors of bright blue, almost like a neon sign. The red tide's oceanographic description is called HAB, or harmful algae blooms. It's a toxic algae and as beautiful as it is at night, It's very destructive, hurting both the animals of the sea and even can hurt humans. Much like sin in our lives, it can look sparkling and beautiful and engaging and just spectacular. But then it begins to do great harm. It begins to make us decay. God invites us always to bring whatever is in our life that keeps us from being healthy, being with God, knowing the love that God gives to us, he invites us to confess our sins and be assured of his forgiveness for us. I invite you to take a moment to pray before I lead us in a pastoral prayer of confession that you can join me in. Let us come before the throne of God's grace and pray. Lord, thank you for hearing our silent prayers. Lord, hear now our unison prayer, asking for you to heal the body of believers. O God, we thank you that you have not left us alone in our sin. Loving us, you have brought us good news and set before us the way of life. Yet we confess that we have not always seen the way or lived the way. In pride we have spurned your mercy and your grace. In selfishness, we have turned away from those in need around us. We have allowed ourselves to be crushed by troubles as though Christ had not been raised. Forgive our faithlessness and renew a right spirits within us and the power and hope of the resurrection. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear now the assurance of forgiveness. We look to the light of Christ And as we walk in the light of Christ, we have fellowship with Christ and with one another because through Christ Jesus, we are forgiven and we are brought into a right relationship with God. Thanks be to God, for Christ makes us clean. Amen. And now knowing that we are both forgiven and reconciled, let us share the peace of Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you.
5: Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope, with no place to begin Your love made way to let mercy come in When death was arrested, my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained my orphan heart was given in My mourning grew quiet, and my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace, is
6: so free, washes so Your grace, so free, washes away.
1: Good morning, Kids Village. Today your story comes from the book of Acts, and Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament of the Bible. Today our story has to do with two men named Peter and John. On this day, Peter and John were walking into what would have been like a courtyard-type area, and out front was a man that would always sit there and ask people for money as they passed him. This man wasn't able to walk since he was born, and so it made it very hard for him to make any kind of money. When Peter and John passed him, they looked at him and said, we have something far greater for you. He probably was still thinking that they were just going to give him money. But in this moment, in the name of Jesus, they healed him. And this man got up and he started to walk from there. He started praising God and running and jumping through this courtyard area in front of a lot of people. Then people started to question, who is this man? How was he healed? Why are Peter and John doing this? From there, Peter and John were called to the Sanhedrin. And back then, it would have been like an assembly of 15, 20 people, or a council of people who tried to make sure that people were doing the right thing. In this moment, they weren't sure if Peter and John were doing the right thing. They weren't even sure exactly how they were doing what they were doing. So they were presented in front of this group of people, and they had to answer their questions. They told them that they were still going to be professing the name of Jesus and proclaiming his good news to people and healing people. The Sanhedrin had a problem with that, and they weren't quite sure what to do. In this story, there wasn't a huge punishment that came, but they did ask Peter and John to stop talking about Jesus. Peter and John stood firm in their faith and used the determination that we've been talking about all month to proclaim the good news of Jesus and tell these people that they were going to obey God's law and make sure that they were following his path and proclaiming his love to people. We can be reminded this morning by this story that God has a plan for each and every one of you. There are moments that will happen where you can proclaim his good news and speak life into someone else. Just like they healed this man, there will be moments where you will be able to heal people, whether that's emotionally, physically, spiritually, there are all kinds of ways that Jesus will work through you. These are reminders that even in moments that we've been talking about that are hard and there's changes that are happening in our world, that you, even as children, can be a light to other people in their situations that they're going through. So we hope that you are enjoying our Sunday services and that you are also able to watch your Sunday school messages online. We hope to talk with you this week and we miss all of you and are praying for you and your families. Bye-bye.
3: This is the time in our worship service where we present our prayers. Just like us trying to climb a ladder, our hopes and our dreams, our prayers being lifted up to God. The good news is is that God comes down to us. As we lift up our hopes to God, God in Jesus Christ through the Spirit comes to us and is among us. I invite you to lift up your prayers wherever you are at prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of petition and intercession and at the same time i will be offering words on our behalf and then i'll invite all of us to join together in praying the lord's prayer let us look to the lord in faith hope and love let us pray gracious and loving father in you we live and move and have our being Our times are ever changing, but you and your word are sure and steadfast. Receive our prayers of thanksgiving for all the many ways you have blessed us in small and big ways, and most especially in loving us, in providing for us, and in giving your son Jesus Christ for the life of the world. From our different locations, we lift up our prayers to you. Please equip your people across the globe to be salt and light in their unique communities. May we be a living testament to your character and the beauty of your gospel. Please help us to meet needs in our communities. Please help us as we attempt to cast our fears and anxieties on you. Thank you that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf when words fail. Please give wisdom and prudence to our government leaders. We recognize that this is a time of significant strain and turmoil. Please enable them to serve and lead faithfully. Please protect us from arrogance and vilifying our neighbors. Please enable us to listen to others and respectfully relate to them. Please help and provide for those who have lost jobs, incomes, or businesses. Please enable us to have the dignity of participating in this. Please heal people who are sick. But for families who have lost members, please provide a special comfort. We recognize that being unable to gather in person to honor a loved one's life as a community is a unique and heavy burden. Please protect our healthcare workers and their families. Please help our teachers who teach remotely. Please help our children to learn in a new environment. Please enable parents to navigate the newness and tensions that come from the disruption to the educational rhythms. Please enable shepherds of your churches everywhere to shepherd it faithfully during this time. Please continue to propel your people to be the church, even in the absence of face-to-face gatherings. Please give a special grace and help to our sisters and brothers around the globe for whom it is illegal to gather in your name. Please sustain and strengthen them. Please comfort and reveal yourself to those who are anxious. Please provide for and protect those who are in danger in their own homes. Please propel your people to use this time well rather than simply passing the time in idleness. Please enable us to reach out to the lonely and relate to them with whatever means are available. Please use this time to strengthen bonds within families. For all other prayers, we lift them to you as we recommit our lives to serving you. Grant us your wisdom as we prepare to hear your word read and proclaimed, and then to live it out in all we say and do. As we pray together those words which Jesus Christ taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors
2: Our time in the scriptures with a prayer for illumination please join me in prayer draw us close holy spirit as the scriptures are read and the word is proclaimed let the word of faith be on our lips and in our hearts and let all of the words slip away may there be one voice we hear today the voice of truth and grace amen a reading from the book of exodus When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt, prepared for battle. And Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you, and then you must carry my bones with you from here. They set out from Succoth and camped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of pihahiroth between Migdal and the sea, in front of baal You shall camp opposite it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness is closed in on them. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, so that I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians shall know that I am Lord. And they did so. The angel of God, who was going before the Israelite army, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and chariot drivers. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched his hand out over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them, on their right and on their left. And now a reading from the first letter to the Corinthians. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. The word of the Lord. Life. Life
0: is full of crises. Everything in life, it seems, is touched one way or another by crisis. Even the beginning of life is a crisis. We're told that it's very, very tough on a baby's body as it's born naturally from a mother. It's tough growing up and learning all the lessons that you have to learn. Life itself is simply filled with challenges, with hard times, with difficult things, with things that are uncomfortable, and sometimes things that we don't want to face. Friends, we live in a time of particularly acute crisis. I don't need to share the details with you. We all know them. But let's remember that the Bible, as a reflection of human history and human life, Is also full of stories about crises. We've been looking at some of those crises early on in the story, and today we want to look at another. Today we want to look at the crisis that occurs as the Hebrew slaves are finally allowed to leave Egypt, and as they leave, they are then pursued by the Egyptian army and they find themselves trapped between the soldiers and the chariots and the horses of Pharaoh's military and the sea. Now, let's remember this one thing. I'm not picking on Egyptians or Egypt today especially. I have lots of friends who are Egyptian and friends in Egypt. In fact, there's a very strong Christian church in Egypt today. We're talking about history. And of course, you know the story. For me, the story of the slaves leaving Egypt is always one that I think about with very, very vivid images. Images of Charlton Heston starring as Moses and Ewell Brenner starring as Pharaoh. Images of poor Hebrew slaves with a few donkeys and some hand-pulled carts, mothers with babies and old people being carried. Those are all the images in my mind of that great mass of Hebrew people who finally are leaving Egypt and moving towards the promised land. There are other images as well in my mind of young, strong soldiers and chariots with their spears and their swords. And then of course, there's that miracle when the waters part and the people flee And Pharaoh is incensed, and the army follows, and and then, then the army is washed away. And the good guys win. Those images are so strong that sometimes we might be misled, or we might think that we know the whole story. But it's important that we do not fail to see the deep truth that is here. Now, I know that we have several options when we think about this story. Some people simply dismiss this story as a fairy tale. They say, there is no way that could have ever happened. Some people focus simply on the miracle itself and say, wow, isn't that cool that God parted the waters of the Red Sea? Isn't that amazing? And and then they just leave it there. But there's way more going on in this story and much more important things to say than just to talk about a miracle that happened let's look at some of those things the first thing we want to look at is god god who is the primary actor in this story the primary participant if you will all throughout the scripture we read that god does things For instance, God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines. God took the Hebrew people through a roundabout way to get eventually to the promised land. We read that God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness, that the Lord went in front of the people. Joseph's bones, you remember we talked about Joseph last week, Joseph's bones were carried by the people so that he could be buried finally in the promised land. And Joseph had said to the people that God will surely take notice of you. And indeed, God did take notice. God remembered the suffering of his people. And then, of course, we read that the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. God was with the people. God was present and active. So what does that teach us about God? Well, it teaches us that that God continues to create. God here is recreating His plan for turning the Hebrew people into a great nation that become a sign and an example to the whole world. His plan is threatened by Hebrew slavery, but He rescues His plan by rescuing the people. He is continuing His creation, just as our opening hymn says. This is God's recreation of the new day, and he's giving a new day to the Hebrew people. God is at work in that place in our lives that is beyond our control. You know, if you study history at all, you realize that there are forces and powers and things at work beyond what any of us control by ourselves, and even beyond what we control as a whole community of the human family on earth. People of faith believe that there is a God who is at work in the world, and here we see evidence of that God. Now, just because God is at work doesn't mean that there is not other things going on. God provides an opportunity for human beings to be involved. In fact, God invites it. You might even say, God demands it. Think about Moses. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I have a plan for your life. You're going to be the leader of the people. And indeed, Moses does lead. Here in this story of the Red Sea, we see that Moses stretches out his hand over the sea and the sea parts. Moses was a great leader. He realized he was only human. In fact, he tried to get out of the assignment, but he was full of humility. He relied on God. He relied on other people to help. He was courageous. He was faithful. He gave up his quiet life for the sake of others. But it wasn't just Moses that God called. God calls and sends all people. The people themselves actually have to get up and leave Egypt. Think about their options. Think about what the people might have said. You know, they could have said, you know, it's not so bad here in Egypt. There's some risk involved with leaving. Let's just stay here and make the best of it. We've made it for 400 years. We're okay. There was probably some confusion and even division among the people. Some would say, you know, let's just squeeze Pharaoh for a few concessions, maybe a little better food, maybe a shorter work week. Let's just stay here. We don't really want to go to the promised land anymore. Maybe maybe we don't trust Moses. Or maybe some were simply saying there's got to be an easier way than doing it this way there had as well to be some fear. Some people probably questioned whether or not Pharaoh would be good to his word and let the people go, and in a way, they were right. Pharaoh came after them. There were other people who would be afraid of what would happen on the other end. What would it be like trying to create an entirely new life in the promised land? All of those things could have prevented the people from following the leadership of God through the word of Moses. But what the people actually did was to choose to trust God and to choose to trust Moses. They overcame their inertia and their confusion and their division and their fear. They chose to believe that things could be better. They chose to accommodate themselves to a changing reality and they pursued the blessings that God promised. They successfully escaped and they became the nation of Israel through which the whole world is blessed. Scholars agree that the story of the Exodus is the most important story in the Old Testament. It's a story that informs the Hebrew people, our Jewish cousins in the faith. It's a story that informs them still today, and it's a story that informs Christians as well. Think about the brief passage that we just heard from the writing of Paul as he's talking to the Christians in Corinth. Paul is writing to a church that is full of people who are not Jewish by background or training or education. They're Gentiles. They are probably, many of them, very sophisticated. They're rich. They're diverse. They're thoroughly pagan. The city of Corinth was a very rich and diverse and thoroughly pagan city, a very cosmopolitan place. And so Paul is trying to teach these people who know nothing about the history of God with the Jews. He's trying to teach them how to follow Jesus. And they were having trouble leaving behind their pagan ways. They were having trouble learning what faith in Christ is all about. And so one of the ways that Paul chooses to teach them is to take them back to this story of the Exodus, and he calls them our ancestors. Now for Paul, the people of the Exodus literally were his racial and ethnic ancestors, but for the Corinthian Christians, there was no relationship whatsoever. What was the relationship Paul said, these people, you Corinthian Christians, these people of the Exodus are our ancestors. We are under the same cloud. We've passed through the sea. We have eaten the same spiritual food and drunk some from the same spiritual drink. We have had water that's provided by the rock who is Christ. There's a lot going on there that we don't have time to talk about this morning, but here's the main point. Paul was saying to those Gentile Christians that the history of the Exodus was their history too. It was their spiritual history. That as they came to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, that they were engrafted into that body of people and that they were cemented into that same spiritual family. Therefore, Christian people in Corinth hundreds of years after the Exodus and Christian people in the modern world today. Look back to the time of the Exodus and we realize that we follow and we serve the same God, that we have the same Messiah and Lord. Paul acknowledges that the Corinthian Christians are having a hard time learning to live in a Christian way. And he speaks of that hard time as a trial, as testing, as trouble, what you and I might say is a crisis. It is a crisis when we give up an old way of life and begin to learn a new way. It is a crisis when we have to change our thinking and change our doing. It is a crisis when we have to say to some people, we no longer believe as you believe and we no longer live as you live because we found a better way. And so Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians that no testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. For Paul, the truths that Those Hebrew slaves learned about God and about themselves were the same truths that Paul knew and the truths that Paul was trying to teach to the Corinthians. That God is involved, that God is active on their behalf. That God sends leaders, God sends people like Moses, and God had sent Paul to lead them in the way of learning about the reality of life and who they are and how they are meant to live as we learn to follow Jesus. The people also, through the words of Paul, as, the words of, as with the words of Moses, the people are invited to respond. They're invited to follow Jesus, not to follow their old, destructive, futile, pagan ways. Paul was encouraging the Corinthian Christians to continue to live in the new way that they had learned and to think in the new way that they had learned from Jesus. He was saying to them, I realize it's hard. I realize it's confusing, but you can do this, people, because God is with you. Just as Moses said to the escaping Hebrew slaves, do not fear. Let's continue on through the sea. Paul is saying to the Corinthian Christians, do not fear. Continue in your walk with Jesus. But what does that say to you and to me? Some of us are afraid of a really, really bad disease and it is a bad disease. We have to take it seriously. Some of us are filled with inertia though. We don't want a crisis, we don't want to change our lives, let's just maybe pretend it doesn't exist. Some respond with fear, some respond with inertia, others of us respond with selfishness. You know we say, well I'm okay right now, too bad about the other guys. Or, I'll hoard everything I have because I might need it later. I will hoard my toilet paper or my paper money. Those are all human and natural responses. But there are other responses called forth from those of faith, those who follow Jesus. There's a response of courage. The courage that helps us to fight and survive and not give in to the pressures and problems and crises of today. Those who have the the courage to take action and, and find medical solutions, scientific solutions to this crisis. Those who have the courage to work through their emotional struggles or help others who are struggling. Those who have the courage to give from their financial resources in order to help those who are financially struggling. That's the kind of courage that leads us to action action that embraces change action that does scientific research and that engages in health care and action that leads people to necessary social change and cultural changes so that we can actually live through this pandemic time sometimes it takes courage and it takes action to reach across to people that maybe we don't always trust people we don't always like And find a way to fight this thing together. You see, we are in a crisis just like all other crises where we are called to selflessness, not selfishness. Where we are called to help folks here and around the world with food and medicine and money for rent. Where we're called to help people that are emotionally and spiritually struggling where we're called to hold our government and business and private sector to account so that in those ways we can help the world, where we're called to be creative in our selflessness. Friends, let's go back for a moment and put ourselves in this story. Imagine yourself walking on the bottom of the sea with huge walls of water on either side of you. There are old folks who are struggling to keep up. There are children who are afraid and confused. There's the blasting of Egyptian trumpets behind you and the sound of the hoofbeats of the horses that are pulling the chariots. The chariots, your, your muscles are aching. Your stomach is empty. You're wondering if you can be strong. This is when the going has gotten really, really tough. But there is God. God the Father and God the Son, God who is creating and recreating, God who is with us, God who is faithful to us. There is God in Jesus, the one who himself one time walked on water, but more importantly, the one who walked a lonely road to the cross to give himself for us so that we would not be afraid, so that we could respond to the crises and challenges of life with courage, with with action, with selflessness. Friends, all the crises of the Bible teach us this one truth, that God has never failed us, and he never will. Amen.
5: To deliver in time a storm, and I know He will keep you safe from all earthly harm. One day when my weary soul is at rest, I'm going home to be forever. What my God can do, he delivered Daniel.
0: us that God never fails us. I remember that sometimes too as I look at this painting from here in my office at the church. It's a painting that my youngest daughter did many years ago as she was graduating from college. It's a painting that when people walk into my office I ask them, what do you see here? And most people see something that I've always seen and that is an amazing depiction of water. On the left side of this painting, you see the dark and chaotic waters of life raging and storming around us. And yet you also see the light, the beautiful colors of creation, the God who separates the waters in order to show us that he loves us and that he cares for us. In the middle of this painting, you can see here above my finger, an upright and dark section of the painting that, for me, represents a figure who was walking toward me. I've always seen Jesus in that figure, driving away the waters that would destroy us, creating light and beauty in our lives and beckoning us to come with him and to follow him into the glory and beauty of life with God. Friends, I share this painting with you today as a way of reminding you that whatever dark and stormy waters you are going through right now, God will not forsake you. God will not leave you. Indeed, God will lead you as he leads all of us to follow him courageously, to follow him selflessly, to follow him with courage and confidence into the future that he's prepared. (laughs) You. <laughs> and to be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you his peace today and always. Amen.